There are a million ways to make money in the food service industry. You just have to find one. On the Titans of Food Service podcast, I interview real life movers and shakers in the food game who cut through all the noise to get to the top. My name is Nick Portillo and welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Let's jump right into it. Hello and welcome back to the Titans of Food Service podcast. I want to say thank you, as always, for joining me on another episode here. Please, if you enjoy this episode or if you enjoyed past episodes, if you could just take a moment, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or YouTube or wherever you may be, please, if you can give the podcast a five-star review, that would really mean a lot. Again, I appreciate you joining us here for another episode. Today, I have a really exciting guest and I think you're going to love her passion. Her name is Demetra Rizzi, and she's the Chief Executive Officer for Alohi Strategic Advisors. We dive deep into her career through food service, and she has some incredible stories to share. And then even great insights for emerging brands and established brands on how they can be successful in food service sales. So let's go ahead. Let's jump right into it. Welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. And um I look forward to our conversation. Okay. Okay. Very good. Well, why don't I, I typically like to start off with everybody who comes on the podcast, kind of giving a basis for how did you get into food service? So what was maybe the, the early days of getting into this industry? Oh, sure. Hey, listen, I'm Greek. So we could all say I was born into it, but not really. <laughs> so I literally went to school to get away from the food business because my entire family was in the food business. And what I realized once I got out of college was, hmm, this might be the way to go. And frankly, my mom was very ill. She died the year that I graduated from college. And I had a contract already signed for international business with a major company outside of the food business. I decided not to take it because that would mean I'd have to leave and I'd have to leave my mom. And so I went to work for Wendy's. And there I met Dave Thomas. I worked with Wendy's. Early on, when it wasn't this, if you will, tightened. Yeah. Um, but what intrigued me was that many people, you know, thought, well, you went to school, you went to college to be a hamburger flipper. And I will never forget that comment. And I would tell you today, I know that these people are eating their words because I got into food service because I went to Wendy's. I had never eaten fast food prior to working for Wendy's. Uh-huh. And what I, learned from Dave and working there was, my God, if you really understand food service and you understand the systems and the processes and how it works, you could build an empire. Yeah. When I got to Wendy's, their stock was like $3.50 a share. When I left Wendy's 12 years later, we were at $29 plus. Wow. (laughs) Um, And that was a big deal. And I learned so much along the way and I literally decided at that point that I wanted to be a student of my craft. Okay. And that meant I wanted to understand every aspect of food service. So that's how I started. And um, tell you the truth, I mean, when I opened my uh, own franchise and I didn't open a Wendy's, I opened a, a Brugger's Bagels. Dave actually paid for my first store and he came to my grand openings. Wow. And he would say, what? You can't put up. Square burger and a round bagel. I'm like, I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is he, 
Dave Thomas, was he the founder or the president at the time? He was the founder of Wendy's. Wow, okay. And he, by the way, also developed the big bucket for Colonel, you know, Sanders, the fried chicken bucket. Yeah. That was him. Wow. That's a smart man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, he didn't have a college, uh, I'm sorry, he didn't have a high school degree. That's incredible. Yeah, he literally went back and got his high school degree, I think it was in the late 80s. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What were some of your roles when you were at Wendy's? So I started off as an assistant manager and literally understood and and learned how to run a shift, let alone a store. Um, And then I progressed to what they called a co-manager, which is a little step below the general manager. I became a general manager and was put in a really terrible situation, so I thought, uh, which was running the Naperville, Illinois store. And everyone that knows Naperville, Illinois knows that's, you know, a very up and coming neighborhood. The problem was they put me there because there were no employees. Mm. Imagine all these well-to-do families. They're not going to want their children to work at a Wendy's. Right. So they said, Hey, if you can run that store, you've got some promise. Well, that was easy. I was able to get some good employees by using certain incentives that weren't as much as like money, but it was more an incentive to be with the cool kids. And then I went into inner city. They promoted me as a district manager, put me in inner city, Chicago, and literally Nick, there was a pool at the corporate office on how long I would last in inner city Chicago. Cause it was a wow tough, tough yeah. area. And it is the first time I talked with Dave Thomas. He literally called me, which I was like blown away. Like you're calling a district manager, you have hundreds of them, right? Mm-hmm. And he said to me, listen, he says, when you can turn that area around, he goes, I really would like for you to be a director and turn all of Chicago around. He says, because when all of Chicago is turned around, our stock price goes up by 10 cents. Hmm. He says, and I, I don't like coming to Chicago because the restaurants aren't run well. Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward, I became a director. I turned Chicago around and he actually would come to Chicago to film his commercials. Okay. Which I thought, wow, uh, you know, we've arrived. And he, he was a great guy, very down to earth. The one thing that I learned that is food service specific to me is if you don't believe in a product and you don't believe in the company that you're working for, or you've created, don't do it Yeah. because people are going to figure out you're a fake. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you to this day, I only eat Wendy's burgers. I will not go wow. to the competition. I just won't do it. Um, <laughs> I love that. Because I'm loyal to Dave, even in the in the time when he's been, you know, he's passed now for how many years. But mm-hmm. yeah, I was very loyal um, and he was very good to me. And I turned inner city Chicago around. And one funny story I always tell, I had such experiences in being a director, but one of the best ones was I had a manager call me once and he said, and back then, right? Mm Eighties, we had pagers. We didn't have cell phones. Yes. Yes. Everyone. We had pagers and I had a manager call me. He goes, D the stove is in the hole. I go, what? 
Well, what I figured out was that he was telling me that the store had sunk into a big hole. Oh, a physical hole. Because the, yeah, because <laughs> the store hadn't been built on a very good foundation because the franchisee that had built it that we took it back from had owned a furniture store and he just threw furniture down there and then threw whatever in the foundation. Oh, no. But I, I use this analogy a lot with people that are first getting into food service or were hiring for the first time. And I say, listen, in your darkest times in food service, you could think that you're in a hole and that you can't get out of. But I promise you, it is the one industry where it literally turns itself around because guess what? People have to eat. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. So that's how I got into it. I then said, I got to do my own. Mm-hmm. Um, open Brugger's Bagels. I built 25 stores in 18 months. Um, and you you self-owned all of those? Yes. 25. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How, did you, how did you do that? So you mentioned that Dave helped you with unit or location number one. How did you get the next 24? Yeah. So we, yeah. So, you know, I was able to finance quite a bit of it. Yeah. And then um, the company also helped because they were just starting, right? They were pretty well known in the East Coast, but come on, bagels in the Midwest. Right. People thought that's stale bread. Right. <laughs> and let alone the West Coast where you are, Nick. I mean, oh. They were like, what? A bagel? But um, so uh, Brugger's also helped and they said, listen, you build these stores and if you build these in, you know, 25 and 18 months, we will help you finance them. We'll help you do um, whatever is needed. But, you know, building 25 stores in 18 months, I think, took years off of my life. But um, it was great because how cool to bring something new into a market that really didn't you know, bagels were a New York thing, right? Sure. They were East Coast. They were not Midwest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, in my opinion, changed how bagels are viewed when Brugger said, okay, let's go across the country. Then you had Einstein Bagels come in and you had all these others. Finally, people started to appreciate the bagel industry. But yeah, I built them. And then, by the way, I ended up with 32 Um before Brugger's was sold and my stores um, went with the uh, owners that came in and they were a Burger King and Chili's franchisee, but they wanted to buy all these Brugger's and they did. Unfortunately, they were more fast food type guys. So they didn't understand that it's not that type of a system that works. But for the Brugger's guys, great business because they sold 170 of their stores and then they literally, two years later, bought them back for pennies. Wow. And built them back up again. Um, but on my end, what I was learning was, okay, how do you know when to sell a business? What goes into selling a business? How should you think about the people, right? Mm-hmm. The, the whole culture piece. And how should you think about your suppliers? And, and I literally thought I was getting a PhD in food service. And I failed to mention that Dave Thomas paid for my master's degrees when I became a, a director yeah. at Wendy's. And still, I feel like I hit the jackpot. I often talk about the fact that it was a Cinderella story for me yeah. because I had people that believed in me, right? Yeah. So built the Brugers. Then I went to a company called Sarah Lee. Yep. Because Brugers were sold, then other people bought it, and I helped them with their companies. Jacob's Brothers Bagels bought some of the Brugers. I helped them. But I really went to Sarah Lee because, remember, my whole goal was to be a student of my craft. Mm -hmm. And for me, I didn't understand the manufacturing side. 
I was like, okay, I get what distributors do. I get what operators do. What do these manufacturers do? So I thought, okay, great. Sarah Lee, cheesecake, right? No, no, no. It was coffee. And they brought me in because I understood operations and I understood how cafes worked. And I helped build a little brand called Java Coast for them in their coffee division. But what I did there was I became, again, student of my craft. I learned everything there was to learn about coffee. Mm -hmm. And then we went and we built up until like five years ago, they were still there. Most Hilton's had these coffee shops internally that I had designed. And then we put in Sara Lee coffee because Sara Lee owned a bunch of coffee companies like Superior and others, and including Java Coast. Mm-hmm. I learned at Sara Lee because I soon then became the director of training for them for all their products, meat, bakery, coffee, and tea. Wow. Okay. And I don't know if you know this, Nick, but we had 13 kinds of turkey, including prison turkey. <laughs> because we sold to prisons. And I was like, what? Right. Um, But I learned a lot there. And then I met a woman that they brought in to run uh, the coffee division. Mm -hmm. They had to turn it around and I really helped her and her team. I helped them understand coffee the way that they should. And she turned that whole thing around. And then Sarah Lee sold that division to a company. And then that company, when they met this woman that was the VP, the general manager and she had brought me on to be her VP of uh, sales retention. Mm -hmm. When they met her, they said, would you and your team come and run our company? So we went to farmer brothers coffee with the sale. Mm -hmm. Um, So I followed her and then she left there and she went to a company called rewards network, Chicago based company selling. If you will, I used to say we sold money to operators, which was really cool because they're, Many restaurant operators can't afford yeah. to go to a bank. Yeah, they need the cash. And they were able to, right, get the cash from us. And we were able to bring them business because we gave all of our members miles and all this other stuff. Um, so I went to the marketing side of the world, right? I was like, okay, got to learn marketing. That was Rewards Network. You're becoming well-rounded. And, right. And then the woman that I worked for went to a company. I called it. I went to the dark side, um, which was she went to a company that sold unbreakable melamine dinnerware and plastic drinkware. And she called me and said, come be my chief commercial officer. I did. We pretty much grew the company 10X, sold it twice, bought four companies in the process. So learned a lot about mergers, acquisitions, how to build companies from, you know, a little small company to a medium sized company. Um, and then in 2019, I thought I retired because mm-hmm. um, I left on a Friday. And on a Monday, I got a call from Stephanie Lynn, who is the founder of Elohi Strategic Advisors, yep. where I am today the CEO. And I don't know how she knew because I hadn't told anyone. <laughs> uh, but she literally called me and said, I've heard you retired. Can you come do a couple projects? And I thought, okay. I go, but plant-based, like what? And she goes, listen, it's alternative protein. Mm-hmm. It's much more than plant-based. And just come do a couple of projects. So I did. I said, okay, I, you know, I'll do a couple of projects. Um, no need to pay me. I said, I just want to learn about this. It's kind of cool. Uh, again, student of my craft. I wanted to mm-hmm. learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and two months later, she came to me and said, hey, I've talked to my husband and my mother, and I'd like for you to come run the company. And I will report to you. I will do what I love, which is go out and get the business for the company and you run the company. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been doing this since 2019. It's now 2023. Wow. We've grown the company 10x, have worked with some phenomenal groups in alternative protein. And now, because of all the services we offer, which mm-hmm. is everything from, you know, product innovation all the way to management and sales and everything else, we're a company that we don't have really, maybe we have a competitor too, but they don't do the full cadre of services that we do. Um, And I got to tell you, it's been a phenomenal few years. And for me, I feel like since I started way back in 1983, this is my 40th NRA, right? Yep. I'm leaving a mark that is a good mark on our food system. I love that. What a what a journey you've had. What do you think it's been? Your journey through the food service industry is one that I think a lot of people are, you know, would love to have one day or are working towards. What was it in you that that you felt propelled you to get all of this incredible experience and become a student of your craft, what do you think it was that you had that was uniquely different from your peers? Yeah. Yeah. I would tell you two things. One is I really was a student of my craft and wherever I were, people knew that I wanted to learn and understand how they did things. The other is I was not afraid to take a step back. Okay. Right. Many people look at their career and they think it's got to be an upward trajectory. I was willing to take a step back in position, right, Um, as well as monetarily to learn the part of food service that I didn't know about because I knew and I believed in myself enough that on the other end, when I left that company, I was going to be making a lot more money Yeah, because of what I could bring to the table. And so I didn't sell my transferable skills short. Mm -hmm. What I would say in the interview is, listen, I don't know this, but be really clear. I'm a fast learner. I'm going to learn. I'm going to give you all these things that you possibly may be looking for today. And when these two things are at the same level, you're going to see things happen, whether it's gross sales or fix a department or whatever it is you want me to do. And we're both going to win. Yeah. I do think people today sometimes are um, myopic in their view, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, well, you know, if I'm a director, if my next position isn't a VP, oh, oh my. And and I'll say to you, I work with one person in four different companies because this woman was brilliant. She's brilliant. And she taught me so much, but we were a a team. And people would say to me, Demetra, why aren't you becoming a CEO? And I said, why do I need to have that title? And I am learning everything that I'm learning. I'm making enough money and she and I are a force Yep. only when she left the business and said, Hey, I'm kind of done now. Did I say, okay, I'm ready. And I became the CEO of Elohi. Wow. I'd imagine in your, in your journey here in food service that you probably had your fair share of mistakes or failures or setbacks. Could you maybe, is there any example or any instance that comes to your mind that you can remember that it was a difficult to, to go through that obstacle and then kind of what happened on the, well, once you were through it and the learnings from it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Listen, you know, I, um, I love the 
name, by the way, food service Titans or Titans of food service. Thank you. I was a Titan in, you know, restaurant operations. Mm -hmm. People knew me and people were calling me to work for them. Right. And then I made the decision um, to go to Sara Lee. Mm -hmm. And I literally took four steps back. Yeah. Right. And I remember at first thinking, what have I done? I'm in a marketing department of a huge company back then, Sara Lee. I can't even spell marketing. <laughs> and I, I almost gave up. Yeah. I, I almost quit. And it was because I let my head trash override my good critical thinking skills. Mm -hmm. Like, come on. Mm -hmm. um, and it was seriously because there were people even in Sarah Lee that were saying, why, you know, why did this VP of marketing bring in this woman? She doesn't know anything about uh, marketing. She doesn't understand. And then I thought, wait a minute. The mistake I made is I was starting to believe that noise mm -hmm. and it was starting to affect me. And I thought, okay, yeah, you could, you could walk away and go back to what is your sweet spot or you could lie to yourself <laughs> and say, you aren't interested in being a student of your craft or you work through this and you find the right people to help teach you and support you. But at the same time, you give them something back. Mm -hmm. And what I did is I surrounded myself with those people in that company that wanted the company to be something more. And today we're still very good friends, very close friends. And I will tell you, Nick, the mistake that I almost made was I literally had my letter of resignation. Wow. And I walked in one day and I thought, what are you doing? You love, <laughs> like I get, you get up in the morning and you're excited and you want, and you're going to let some people saying things and then your own head trash mess with you. No, don't do that. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, I think today there's a lot of that, right? There's mm -hmm. a lot of it through social media, That's right. you know, through people listening to the sound bites, right? Mm hmm um, instead of really getting to know people and understand businesses, um, and I think people rush to decisions about themselves and their companies yeah. that perhaps they should have taken a little more time to think about. So I am very aware of that at Aloki. Yeah. Um, and, and we don't make decisions on people, clients, or services quickly. We take time. Elaborate on that. What does that look like? So, for example, when we hire someone, they literally go through, um, you know, your standard interviews, yeah. right? But we also have them take a an assessment that's the Profile XT, and it has nothing to do with hiring them. Yeah. It has everything to do with understanding, do they fit in our culture? Because you have a culture model, and regardless of it, it is your culture. Yeah. And some people may fit, and some others may not. You also have a learning style. And I have seen people be chewed up and spit out because they can't keep up yeah. with people, right? And it's not that they're not smart. It's just that the learning style of an organization might not be what you're used to, Yeah. right? Um, and then there's the whole behavioral piece. You know, we at Alohi, we're very entrepreneurial, right? Mm -hmm. And what that means is, no, no, we're not going to hold your hand and we're not very good at, you know, always being there 
because we're always there for our clients, but we want people that know that in food service, look, you've got to get, you got to do what you say you're going to do because mm -hmm. if you don't, then there's your reputation. So we literally look for the behaviors that we really want. So we want someone that has a good pace. We want someone that's willing to, you know, work on assistant, but if they need some help, we're there. We're there. You know, we want people that make decisions quickly, but yet also take time to think, right? Mm -hmm. So we understand what we want and we've worked very hard to create our model. And literally I've said to people, we, you know, you have a phenomenal background, but you will not work well with us. And here's why. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, Nick, two times, one said Elohi and one said another company, because we, I used the same thing at the company before Elohi. Okay. I had someone say to me, Demetra, you're wrong. I'm going to be able to work within your system and you're going to see it. And I said, okay, let's make a deal. If either one of us feels like it's not working, we need to tell the other. Yeah. And, there, and in both instances, it happened this way. Literally, I had the person come to me and go, Demetra, you were right. This isn't working. <laughs> this isn't working. <laughs> I was like, okay. So we take time on the people part, yeah. right? People to me are the most important thing. Yeah. Right. And so, and oh, by the way, the other thing that we do is, you know, coming into a company as a new employee, you're always excited, right? I have a new job. We truly believe that we treat people better on the way out. Mm-hmm. Because the way out could either be a way out because they've decided, we've decided, or the business has decided. Right. Right. And it needs to be, as Stephanie likes to say, a good landing for everyone. I like that. That's very true. And and we are very serious about that. So there's the the people part of it is really important. And it's the client part. <laughs> we have a couple of rules. We're just not going to work with clients that are not nice people. It, yes. It, and you know, there's it, food services is, a, is an incredible industry. And when it comes to customers or clients, there's a fit for everyone, you know, and it's trying to decipher who, you know, we may be a fit, we may not be a fit, but maybe somebody over here might be a better fit for you. Uh, and that's just the nature of yeah. any business. Yeah. And our rule is if one of us gets this, oh my God, we talk about it as an executive team and then we help that client by giving them some people that we think may fit better. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is one, yes, there's a fit for everyone. I agree with you, Nick. And then there is the part where, look, our role is to advise you on what you should do in food service. Yeah. If you come to us and you want to argue with us every step of the way and you want, and, and it's arguing for the sake of arguing, not arguing to understand then we're going to, we reserve the right to say, we want out. Mm -hmm. We also, though, make sure that our clients have that same right. So we don't write contracts that don't allow people to come to us and say, hey, you know, we've got everything that we need. We want to go. Yeah. The third thing we don't do is we don't keep our clients for a very long time. That's not our thing. We believe that once we do what we need to do, teach you about what you need to learn, it's good. You go. Yeah. Go do your own thing. Yeah. Because you don't need us. We're not a you know, we're not an employee. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So we make sure that we definitely have our client, pick our clients. And, and then we also keep a small group of clients. We don't have a lot of clients by design because we want the executive team to work with every one of our clients because 
They come to Elohi because of Stephanie, Demetra, Catherine, Ryan, right? Mark, the, the executive team. And we want them to always know that they have the ability to reach out and talk to us. That totally makes sense. <clears throat> Maybe going a, a diving a step deeper on Alohi, who is your core customer? And what are some of the services that you provide for them or offer them? Yeah, so um, our core customers have changed through the years. We start off in uh, plant-based and helping okay. you know, startup companies. And that was Stephanie's goal. She wanted to help the people that couldn't perhaps afford what all those big companies had, the systems, the processes, uh, you know, to understand how do I mean, how do I navigate food service? You know, for those of us that have been in it for a long time, we go easy, but it's really not. Yeah. It's a little bit twisted and turned and everything else. That's what we started at. Then we went into, all right, alternative protein, all alternative protein. So today we work with plant-based, we work with companies that are working on cell, companies that are working with protein made out of air, right? Um, wow. All different things. And, and now we've gone to the bigger companies, right? There are global companies that have come to us and said, and we started in another country, by the way, with a global company. And they came to us and said, can you help us? Because we have a division and we're trying to figure out how to launch a product into food service. And we're more of a retail company. How do you do that? So today, Nick, we like to call ourselves kind of the, uh, we provide a pathway into food service. Okay for any size company. And so people normally say, well, Denitra, but you know, some people can't even afford to pay. And then you have these huge global companies that can, and we're like, yeah. And that's why we're flexible with the services we give them. So if someone comes to us and we write a strategy for them, that strategy is a unique strategy. Mm -hmm. It is not the same that we've written for four or five other companies. Everything we do is unique to the client because we take time to understand their business mm -hmm. and then we help them. If they need help with creating products where we have the ability to do that, if they need help with someone to be dropped in as a head of sales or a CEO or a head of marketing, we're there for them. If they need pricing help, pricing architecture, because we all know if you don't have good pricing architecture and food service, you could get in a lot of trouble fast, yes. right? We sell them with, we, we help them with what is your value proposition and what is your unique selling proposition that you're going to go out to market with and how do you market in food service? Mm -hmm. And so some people come to us and they think they have a strategy and, and they, they might, but they just don't have all of it, right? So we help them with that. And then in the rare case, we may sell for a company. We don't sell for all of our clients, we are not a broker. We work well with brokers. Mm -hmm. We have partnerships with different people, but we're not a broker. We may sell and we'll sell for a short amount of time, somewhere between you know, 12 and 24 months. Mm -hmm. Mostly it's 12 to 18 months. And then they go off and they either create their own sales team. They go off to a broker. They have a hybrid. And oh, by the way, we also allow our clients to speak with our sales employees and if they can come to an agreement where they can work together, they can take that employee with them. Wow. As in take yeah. them as an employee of their company? Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. Okay. I've... Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, the cool part about that is Stephanie and I and the executive team, we know a lot of people in food service. So they will want to come work with us because, 
you know, we weren't bad people when they met us and worked with us the first time, right? Mm -hmm. And some of these companies, like a great food service salesperson is not going to go work for someone like that because they don't know, right? It's the fear of the unknown. But if they come work for us and we help that client, then that client wants to hire them and wants to offer them a better salary, a better, whatever the case might be, Mm -hmm. and they want to go, we're not standing in the way. That is one of the things that bothered me and bothered Stephanie in our previous worlds because people would say, well, no, they can't leave. And so you never had really good conversations with your team. Mm -hmm. So today, and in my previous positions, when I was at GET and other places, Whenever we had a review or I had a review with one of my people, I'd say, please bring your updated resume. And people were like, what? I said, look, you're good. You're getting better. People are either going to come looking for you or you're going to go looking for something. Let me help you. Let me help you set up your resume and come to me because I'll tell you what, the people I had along the way, and Stephanie likes to say I had a Cinderella story career, but I literally had people along the way that I went to and said, hey, I'm thinking of going to company X. And my boss at the time, and she was so right, said to me, Dimitra, you would last all of 13 seconds in that company because you are not political. You wear your emotions on your sleeve. No, I don't care what they're offering you. You're, you're Right? And I believed in her so much, right? And I, she always gave me great counsel. And I was like, okay, not going there because – and afterwards, I interviewed people from there, and they're like, oh, boy, the politics. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah he dodged a bullet. <laughs> right? In, in my business, we get a lot of brands reaching out to us who want to break into food service. And a lot of times they think that we're kind of the first stop of trying to get into there. It might be brands that are international that don't have a presence in the U.S. but would mm-hmm. like to. Or they could be brands that have some sort of retail grocery store, maybe e-commerce presence. Uh, and food service is a whole other world that they, they think that they should be in, but don't know how to do it. So they call us first. Mm-hmm. What are some of the, the common mistakes or, that early brands into food service make that you've seen in your experience? Yeah, they really make promises that especially for sales, mm. <laughs> uh, sales revenue, that you're like, no, don't, don't, don't. Do not tell your executive team or your board that. Don't. Yeah. Stop it, right? Um, and I would tell you, I don't know that they understand the symbiotic relationship between sales, distribution, and marketing. Okay. Uh, an example is I've had people that have come to us and said, well, listen, we don't really need marketing and a whole sales group or anything because once we get into a distributor, their sales team is going to sell for us. And we're like, and literally I was having a conversation yesterday with a client of ours that thought that. And I said to him, listen, I know you well enough now to say to you, wow, that's cute. But no, that's not how it works. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I think the most important thing is to take time and we have a sticker that says slow down so you can go fast. Mm-hmm. Take time to understand. We we teach what the food service world is all about. Um, and then really take time to understand how, how 
Are you going to create the demand for your product? And who's going to do that for you? How's the operator even going to order your product? Right. And then how do they get the product? That's like, important. Right? And, and in all of that, how are you making sure that people are aware of you, right, in food service? Because it's not about you. The second mistake they make is we're a brand. No. Coke, they're a brand. Yeah. Tyson, perhaps, right? When you sell to an operator, when I was an operator and they'd come and blah, 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 I'd say to them, listen, this is my brand. This is me. Brugger's is me. I'm not putting your name up there. So tell me why. Why now? Why you? Right? Mm -hmm. And so people think they're a brand. And I'm like, no, guys, that's maybe in retail. But the way you build a brand in food services, you help operators build their brands. That's right. And then if you're lucky enough, you're able to take go with them, right? Mm -hmm. Panera is a phenomenal example, right? You go into the grocery store now, there's Panera soups. Well, by the way, who's ever selling them all the ingredients and everything else, they're lucky people. It's big business. Yeah. That is some big business. Yeah. What about for the the brands out there that are more well-established, you know, deeper pockets, larger uh, corporations. What are some of the challenges that they face in the food service world? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, having been in this a long time and having been one of those people, <laughs> what you did before may not work today. Mm-hmm. I think COVID was a, a curse at the beginning, but it was a blessing as well, because what it taught the food service industry was how to think about what they do at an operator level, at a manufacturer level, right? At a distributor level that, wow, needed to be changed in order for them to stay, one, afloat, and two, relevant post-COVID because business is not done the same way. Now, that took, it was COVID. It was a pandemic. I've seen it. Because again, remember, it's those 40 years that I've been in this business, right? I've seen it. And hindsight being 2020, I was like, oh my God. So my example is, you know, back in the day, there are a few distributors. Mm-hmm. Today you have how many? Thousands. Like, oh my gosh, right? And so Back in the day, when I was at Wendy's, we knew somebody was going to pull up and we were going to get our produce and then we were going to get this and we were going to get that, right? But we knew who they were. Today, wow. Yeah. So, you know, I tell these established companies, one, get out of your own way. Mm. You can't keep thinking that what you did to go launch something even five years ago is going to work today, right? Two, Dare I say, because I've been part of these big companies, the people making the decisions are not involving the people that are actually executing. So take some time and listen. Mm -hmm. I uh, have a call once a month, uh, and I call it the skip level call. And I literally have people from every department on this call, and we talk about what's going on, what they see and how they see it, right? And what's I tell them what's happening, you know, upstairs, as they like to say. And they tell me, Demetra, these are some of the things that are going on. And I would tell you, had had I used that before, I probably would have been even more successful. Yeah. So I tell them, listen to your team and figure out who the experts are within your team to be able to talk to 
rather than saying, well, it's because, you know, if they're a VP or this, you know, we get too caught up in the titles versus let's get the, the experts, even industry people like you or me or anybody, they can bring them in and say, Hey, what do you think? Right. Yeah. And then the other thing that I say is, is be willing to break the mold, like take a risk, do it differently. That's right. Make some noise. Come on. People are going to go, oh, it's them again. <laughs> right? Oh, they're back with something, but who cares? The people that are making the noise and doing it differently and really having some good results and partnering with people and not getting so caught up in your shorts about, you know, who gets the piece of the pie, mm-hmm. you're all going to get a piece of the pie. Yep. So, you know, that's why we partner with others in the industry. People are like, but you're partnering with brokers and you guys sell. I'm like, yeah, so what? Yeah. This industry, it's been done the same way for a long time. There's been some variation, but you, you, you know, if you see other industries, some of them are advancing, especially digitally or technologically, mm-hmm. uh, they're more innovative. So our industry is, is ripe for being disruptive. So someone wants to put themselves out there, think differently, challenge the status quo, they can really flip this whole thing on its head. And I, and I love brands like that, that are, that are trying to change the status quo. Yeah, totally with you, Nick. One, I applaud them because they are the future. Mm -hmm. Two, I would, you know, again, for us, we give our time free to some companies because we believe in them that much. And we want to see what they're doing really get out there. And for every opportunity we have, we talk about the fact that, hey, the time is now. We need to evolve. That's right. And I'm going to tell you this, and I may not be around to see it, but food service sales, it's changing. But the person that's going to figure out how to make that sale in the way that every single operator needs, which is different, is going to be genius. Mm-hmm. I think we tend to want to do things one way when it comes to food service sales. Yeah. Food service distribution is already going there. Look at all the e-commerce and look at what the dots of the world have created. And look at what Cisco and others are saying. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. I need to have one of those platforms that allows people to get product and perhaps it's not on my shelves. And how do I do that? Right. They're doing it. Mm -hmm. And back in my day, we would say, oh, man, those distributors are like the Neanderthals. Well, they're not. Now, I think from a how we sell perspective, we're so far behind, we think we're first. Mm-hmm. Like people say, oh, Demetra, you know, you were in sales and you were, you know, this leader. And all that. I'm like, yeah, but what I did 10 years ago, not that relevant now. This is what people need. But I am, I am hopeful because you see people wanting to change it. You know, yeah. sometimes you go, oh, you know, they're never going to get out of their own way. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I truly believe, I am hopeful. I've seen operators change. Hello, COVID. Yep. I've seen the distributors and what they're doing, and I think it's fantastic. And now I'm starting to see manufacturers think about how do I get my product to market in the way that operators, it's all about choice. The U.S. is choice. That's right. I choose to buy the way I choose to buy. I don't care if you do or don't, right? Yeah. And and I will tell you, 
the best thing to do there is ask people. Like I was in on a big meeting the other day with one of our salespeople and they were selling a particular operator and I could see like they were not believers, but I said, listen, how do you want to be sold to? And everybody in the room was like, and literally the CEO said to me, he goes, that white hair pays off. (laughs) I said, it does, doesn't it? I said, I can ask that question. Because frankly, I don't know. Well, how do you want to be sold to? And then they proceeded to tell us, and we had a phenomenal conversation. Hmm. But don't be afraid to ask those questions. Yeah, totally. Come on, what do you have to lose? I, absolutely. What about looking into the future? What are some of the changes you hope to see in the food service industry? I would tell you, I, I would like to see that, one, we're more willing to embrace technology. Okay. We started, but guys, come on. There's so much more we can do. Uh, I agree. So technology is a big, it's not going anywhere. FYI. Yep. You know, I remember I had one of the first cell phones and today, Jesus. So one, embrace it in a way that makes sense. Two, I do think this whole AI and everything else that's happening, Mm. it could be a negative. A negative if you don't figure out what is it supposed to do for food service and a negative if you just say, I'm just going to go out there and embrace it, mm-hmm. right? No, 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 no. Please, people in the food service world, figure out how this is going to work before you go out and say, I'm, I'm in. Don't say that. Yeah. I do believe our food system is in trouble. Yeah. We're in big trouble. And what I foresee is these bigger companies – are going to wake up and say, oh gosh, we have got to do something because I'm sorry, we're in big trouble. Mm -hmm. And I mean food system in all ways, you know, the water, the earth, everything. Absolutely. We're in trouble. We have to figure out a different way. And what I foresee is these big companies going to the companies that are out here and they consider them the ankle biters. And I do foresee them going to, the, to those companies and saying, how do we figure out how to work together and be able to provide? Because we're going to run out of food. Sure. But before that, we're going to run out of area to grow in. We're going to run out of the ability to export and import and do all this stuff because everybody's having that same problem, right? Mm-hmm. So I do foresee the big guys working with the smaller guys. And if you think about this, not in your generation, but in my generation, way back when, there wasn't this such a like break between the bigger guys and the middle-sized guys and the smaller guys. It was more about, okay, how do we all figure out how we get some of this and yeah. we take care of the general public? I do foresee that coming back. History repeats itself and this will happen because we're going to be, I'm sorry to say, especially in the U.S., we're going to be in trouble. And when we finally all agree that we're in trouble, because some of us think of it now, Mm -hmm. and then there are some that say, you're smoking dope. It's not going to happen in my (laughs) lifetime. Well, it will happen. Yeah. We, and the companies will get together. And the last thing I'm going to say is I believe I have nieces and nephews that tell me I'm a little nuts about this one. I do believe the food service industry in my mind is one of the best industry somebody could get into yeah and i believe it's getting better and better but it'll be so much better so much 
more better. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Because there are people in the food business now that are being looked at as revolutionary Mm -hmm. and they're creating things. And, you know, no longer is there a stigma. Look, I had that stigma. I kept saying my family's in the restaurant business. And my mother said, God, please go to college and don't be in the restaurant business. So what did I do? I went back into the restaurant business. And I will tell you, I don't regret one single minute. Amazing. And I believe there are people that can get into this food service world and have the same phenomenal ride that I've had. Yeah. And even if with this ups and downs, it's a phenomenal ride and you learn so much and you learn about business, you learn about people, you learn about products. Where else? Where else? It's the food service industry. Demetra, incredible. Thank you. I I just want to say thank you for coming on to the Titans of Food Service podcast and sharing your story and your insights and being vulnerable. And I, you know, when I set out to do this podcast, I didn't know, you know, really what to expect. I wanted to help others because when I got into the industry, my dad said, there's no books you can read on how to be successful in food service sales. So I was like, then we're going to start a podcast. And I've learned so much along the way. And I think other people listening to the podcast hopefully have as well. And I just really, I, I enjoy conversations like these, you know, it's 45, 60 minutes and I, it's just jam packed with great information and, and nuggets. So just thank you. Well, no, thank you. And thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it and uh, really enjoyed our conversation. Oh, very good. Thank you, Demetra. Thank you.